Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jeremy Goodwin, and we're delving into the nuances of the millennial generation. They're the generation that launched a thousand think pieces. And every couple of months, there seems to be some new social ill that people older than them blame them for. Are millennials really entitled and oversensitive or just misunderstood? I have three guests joining me in studio to talk about it. Eric Guterreis teaches psychology at Webster University and is the academic director of their graduate program in gerontology, which involves the study of aging. Steph Kukuljan is the commercial real estate reporter for St. Louis Business Journal. She's looked into millennials' impact on the workforce and real estate development. And Kendra Elaine is a millennial leadership expert and diversity coach. She works with companies that want to attract, engage, and retain millennials, but struggle to understand them. Thanks, everybody, for being here. And I invite listeners to join in the conversation. Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 314-382-TALK. You can send us an email, talk at stlpublicradio.org. You can tweet at us on Twitter, at STL on air. All right. So Kendra and Steph, you are both real live millennials, right? Yes. yes. And Eric, I, I hear you're just on the cusp. I'm very close. Okay, yes. But there's no almost in generations, right? So you're on my side of, with Generation X listening to, to Nirvana and vaguely distrusting authority. That's right. I would listen to Nirvana and it would not be an oldies thing for me. So. Okay. <laughs> if, if we are to believe all generalizations about generations. So what, what's the, what actually is the age bracket of, of millennials? Yeah. So, um, so when we do this, it's important to kind of keep in mind that these generational cutoffs that we're talking about are actually things that in social science we call social constructs. So that means they're arbitrary. Mm -hmm. But having said that, so the millennial generation... Is there someone sitting in a chair somewhere who like declares when a new generation has become? uh, It's probably, I'd like to think a little more nuanced than that, but maybe not that much. Um, So when we talk about this, it's instructive to kind of think about who we mean. So the, the boomer generation refers to people from 1946 to 64. Gen X are folks from 1965 to 1980. Uh, the millennial generation refers to individuals born in 1981 to 1996, and then uh, Gen Z are the folks um, after that point. Okay. Well, this morning I typed into Google millennials ruined dot 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 just to see what would come up. I got millennials ruined dating, millennials ruined handshakes, millennials ruined Halloween, and millennials have officially ruined brunch, which I hadn't been updated on yet. Uh, so it seems like anybody searching for a hot take these days takes something about American culture they don't like and explains how millennials did it. Uh, what kind of misperceptions are there out there about millennials? I think we all might have something to say about that, but do you want to start, Eric? Yeah, sure. So I, uh, as a college professor, I work with a lot of, uh, of young adults, and um, I think the fact that uh, they, there are these think pieces, I think you said there were a thousand, I think you really underestimated that. Um, <laughs> the millennial generation is uh, sort of, labeled as being narcissistic, uh, lazy, entitled, um, sort of looking for a handout, not willing to work hard. Um, what other things are, are we missing? Living in their parents' basement, yeah. mm-hmm. not wanting to move out. I've heard that a lot. Mm-hmm. All of those lazy, entitled, non-loyal. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, even having this conversation is almost, uh, I mean, millennials are not this alien species that we need to try to understand, right? I mean, there's there's not a firm cutoff. If you were born one year, you're suddenly entitled, and if you're born another year, you mm-hmm. like Nirvana, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, Kendra, what what is your stance on brunch, by the way? Um, I love brunch. I ha- will have to really Google that because I'm not sure how exactly we ruined bl- brunch. I yeah. think we're uh, elevating it, if anything. Okay. <laughs> well, um, speaking about. Uh, general perceptions, ages, 
some folks still use the word millennial as a shorthand for kids these days, but that's not really the case, is it? Uh, John on Twitter writes, most millennials are in mid-20s to late 30s, have been an active part of workforce and society for some time. It seems like it's hard for some to accept this generation isn't really young anymore. Mm -hmm. Time to start complaining about Generation Z? <laughs> I guess it depends on where you're at. I think definitely uh, when I work with companies, there is that big misconception that they're not realizing that, no, we've been in the workforce for a while. Some of us in our, our 30s have been contributors for the last 10 to 15 years so we're not we're not babies so yeah. um, it's definitely something to be aware of. Kendra you've put your status as a millennial at the heart of your professional identity. Mm -hmm. Why do corporate managers feel like they need to hear a, a millennial eye view as, as you put it? Um, I think they need it because well I, I know they need it <laughs> because they there's a lot of information out there about millennials. And when I first started, I realized it was coming from non-millennials talking from an observatory place. And it's important for them to get a millennial eye view of what's going on so they really know what's happening. It's one thing to say, I look at millennials and I think this is what they're feeling. I think this is what they're experiencing. It's another to hear it from someone like me who can speak the executive language and say, no, this is actually what we're experiencing and this is why maybe you're not retaining your millennials like you'd like to. Maybe this is why you're having low productivity. It's just having that, you know, from the horse's mouth point of opinion. Steph, do millennials tend to work differently than earlier generations? Uh, what I've been hearing is that they do work differently. They like flexibility in schedules from having to work either from home, from a coffee shop, from even uh, in the office, not just at their desk, maybe with others, maybe in a quieter spot. Um, and that's really changing how companies are planning their spaces, what next space they might be moving into, and even developers and what real estate that they're building and developing in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And I have heard that uh, the, the trend of open office plans was something that millennials were perceived to prefer. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, you don't hear everyone say that they're creating buildings or creating spaces for millennials, but a lot of the attributes of those spaces are attributed to millennials. The kind of amenity rich, um, you know, you can have an open space and working with a big group of people. You can have a smaller space working with just a couple people, um, just kind of the diversity and just making it not so monotonous, monotonous, if that makes sense, uh, in the workforce. Um, and so that's, you don't always hear uh, that's because of millennials, but sometimes you do. Um, for example, Cortex is getting a new hotel and the developer behind that mm -hmm. hotel says that's directly attributed to millennials or building that for millennials for them to enjoy. Let's let, we're getting some calls come in. Let's take one. We have a caller, Jerry O'Fallon. Excuse me. <laughs> Jerry is in O'Fallon, Missouri. Uh, Jerry, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Good afternoon. Uh, first of all, I'm 62 years old. And when I was a teenager, uh, I, I heard the same thing from, you know, the previous generations that these kids today, they just don't respect authority. They just don't work hard. They're et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's kind of like a sign of early dementia or something that comes to courses through uh, people of each generation. Uh, but also I have three daughters that I guess you could classify, given your, the dates I heard, as, as millennials. And uh, I have to say, in the period of time after I graduated from high school, um, I got a full-time job. Uh, within a year and a half of working, you know, I had an apartment. I was driving a new Mustang. And I went through an economy that simply does not exist today. I think it was much easier uh, for someone my age 
to get a foothold, uh, to buy your first house. Uh, you know, uh, the, my college adjusted for inflation. I think I had to work 100 hours uh, a semester to pay for my tuition. And that's just simply impossible now. So uh, I think that uh, it's, it's tough for millennials today. And I think a lot of the things that they want, flexibility, et cetera, just means that they're looking for a more balanced life. Uh, they don't want to be at the beck and call of, uh, uh, of their employer. And of course, in my going back in my ancient history, uh, there was no such thing as uh, email or text messages. You left the you'll you'll, you'll have your office at, at five o'clock, and you know on a Friday afternoon, and there was nothing to do until Monday. It was all your time, and you know I don't think people look at that. Uh, mm -hmm. What an intrusion that has caught that caught is, has been as well. Hmm. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for the call. Thank you. That brings to mind uh, some other Google stuff I did today. <laughs> millennials have I saw millennials have it easy, and millennials have no future. Um, so people have all kinds of ideas about this. Are, are folks who've been in the workplace in this this last 10, 15, 20 years, uh, is it a much different workplace uh, that is a little harder on folks? Steph, do you have a thought on that? Um, I think it's just, it's different and it's challenging in that um, millennials want all of the same things that previous generations want. They want a well-paying job. They want to be able to provide for their family. Uh, afford housing, that kind of thing. And there are certain realities that don't always align to really make that possible. And you kind of see that across different industries. Eric, was the Great Recession particularly hard on the millennial generation? Yeah, I think for a few different reasons. Um, one of which uh, is that this generation that we're talking about uh, saw their parents probably lose a lot of their assets, right, um, with that recession. And so uh, I appreciate a lot what the caller is saying and, and what uh, Steph is talking about. So, I mean, we, we know that just staggering uh, increases in the cost of healthcare, in the cost of education, in the cost of just general uh, cost of living, right? Um, I would argue really do kind of place millennials um, at a disadvantage and, and, uh, and very much behind the eight ball when it comes to just starting their lives and doing the things that every every young person sort of uh, envisions for themselves. I mean, it, we can dig into this a bit if you want to, but one one aspect of this is just student loan debt, and and mm -hmm. student loan debt right now is uh, is like one and a half trillion dollars in the United States, and that's for most people that is a legitimately unfathomable number. Like we have no appreciation for what that number means, um, but what it does mean is that if you break that down, like on an individual level, it's about thirty thousand dollars, and so you're talking about an, a student when they graduate college walking out the door $30,000 behind already, right? And so that really does stack the deck against them in terms of having enough money to move out of their parents' house, having mm -hmm. enough money to buy their own house, uh, having enough money to maybe chase a job across the country, right? And so maybe that's why you see um, this attitude to, to being open more open to moving and maybe less loyalty to one's job. And so, um, and you know, this doesn't even account for saving for retirement, which I think is uh, millennials often get criticized for not being able to do, but that's that's just a myth for this generation. Like yeah. that's not even a concern of theirs right now. It's like, here's no job, excuse me, here's no job and where are your savings, mm -hmm. right? right? And here's no job security yeah. and why aren't you buying a house? This, the scarcity mm -hmm. really does impact um, the reality for, that these folks are finding themselves in. Yeah. I am talking with Eric Guterice, Steph Kukuljan, and Kendra Elaine about millennials. Do you have a question for our guest? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 314-382-TALK. You can send us an email. That's something that we can thank some millennials <laughs> for popularizing. I've heard of email. 
uh, talk at stlpublicradio.org. Send us a tweet, STL on air. We will continue the conversation in a moment. This is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. And welcome back. Kendra, one of the things we hear about millennials is that they prize experiences rather than stuff. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? So that means that um, they are investing more in experiences. So because we can't necessarily, like we discussed, afford housing and, you know, like the caller said, he got a car right out of college. You know, we can't necessarily afford those things. Um, we're focusing more of our the money that we do have on having meaningful experiences. So if you look, the number of um, dollars spent on travel has increased. Travel is big for millennials wanting to be able to even just change your environment as far as where you work, where you stay. We're more apt to move for a job. Like we're open to new things and we really value having meaningful experiences, not only with our families and our friends, but just building that up instead of spending what money we do have on, you know, unnecessary things. Mm. And let's take a call. We have a caller. We have a call from St. Louis. Kyle. Kyle, are you on the line? Yes. Kyle, what, what are your uh, thoughts today? Well, I, I'm, I'm 50 years old. I've got uh, two sons that are uh, millennials. I'm sorry. How, how old did you say? I, I'm 50 and my sons 50. are millennials. I have a daughter who's a millennial. Um, and, and I talk to them often about their generation. And uh, they kind of agree with me in, in the fact that the the complaints that they have about financial issues, uh, not being able to afford, you know, car or housing or you know whatever it is, is 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 dubious because they at the same time will spend ungodly amounts of money on coffee, going to Starbucks several times a day, or they'll spend a lot of money on eating out, or they spend a lot of money on entertainment or travel, like she just mentioned, or um, you know vaping and jewels. I mean, there's there's it's a the economy is theirs to spend their money where they want to spend it. And the generation itself spends a lot of money on recreation, but not a lot of money on necessities is what I see. Um, mm. Not to say that each generation, like the, like the 60 year old man called and said that each generation complains about the generation below them, you know, calling them, you know, lazy or, you know, whatever else I've, I've heard it myself. But it, it is a fact that, that what they spend money on is, is most of the time about recreation and quality of life, like she said, versus necessities of life. You can't complain when you when you have all the gravy, but you don't have any potatoes. Just my thought. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for the call. Um, is it the case that it's just a normal thing for succeeding generations to prize different things in the marketplace and how they want to spend their money stuff? Um, I you know I don't know you know if there's any real data. I think. Um, I think our other guests can better explain that, but um, I think, and to one to one degree, I understand what he's saying because you see a lot of the sort of designer coffee bars that come up that offer five dollar coffees, and and that does get expensive if you're spending that every day or a couple times a week. I don't know of anyone who goes to that several times a day, but I understand the broader point of what he's of what he's getting at. I don't know if that necessarily means people's priorities are different than they were before. It's hard to say, you know, we didn't have $5 coffees in the 90s or 80s. So I don't, I don't know if you've got better thoughts. Well, so I think Eric? it's, yeah, so I think it's worth um, exploring that a minute. So the, uh, the, these things that millennials are allegedly spending so much of their money on, um, those messages get amplified, right, through various social media channels and the, the, the clicky headlines that get us to uh, pay attention to those things. 
But, um, but for scientists, we really don't rely on that. So we really want data and we want to use good methods to actually analyze that. And so you can actually use um, the tools of behavioral, social science, uh, economics, things like that. And if you do that, you actually see pretty clearly that young people today are not spending their money really any differently than young people from earlier generations. And so I agree with a lot of the things the caller said, at least in terms of the things that he identified, but those things belong to a category. And those, that category is recreation and leisure. And so tell me any young person in the history of time since young people have had any kind of disposable income that didn't spend that money on recreation and leisure. Mm-hmm. I think you would have a really hard time finding that. Eric, let, let, let's get to the bottom of this. What is wrong with kids today? <laughs> no, seriously, I, I remember, like you say, I remember a big fuss over Generation X and what Generation X meant. And there was a 1990 Time Magazine cover that said of Gen X, laid back, late blooming, or just lost, overshadowed by the baby boomers, America's next generation has a tough act to follow. Now we hear some of the same language being used about millennials. So in the life cycle of a generation, is there just a point where the broader culture starts paying more attention to it for a while and, and then moves on? I think there is some of that, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the uh, the caller sort of alluded to this a little bit. Um, the generation that is uh, in power, right, that has the resources, whether it's economic resources or political resources or access to jobs and these sorts of things, um, that generation tends to be the generation that starts the criticism of the subsequent generation, right? Um, and then that next generation ages into power and they get the power and then they critique the next generation. And, and for, from that angle, it is very cyclical. But but psychologists have actually studied this stuff longitudinally over time. And so one of the really kind of cool studies on this, um, a couple of psychologists did this study a few years ago. And what they did is they actually uh, surveyed about 500,000 individuals, so about half a million people, 18 years old from the mid-1970s until about 2006, I think it was. So this is like a 30-year period, right? And so what this research project actually was able to do is compare the attitudes and the beliefs of 18-year-olds from all these different historical areas over this 30-year period. Um, And given everything that we think that we know about how distinct of a generation millennials are, you would think that this study would have found just striking differences in young people's attitudes, right? Um, But they did not. You don't even have to read the study. I'll tell you about it. So they didn't find any differences, really. Um, Hmm. The the attitudes and the beliefs of 18-year-olds in 2006 were pretty much the same as the attitudes and beliefs of 18-year-olds in 96 and 86 and 76. So the only area that these uh, psychologists found any measurable increase uh, over that 30-year period is in the area of uh, expectations for educational attainment. And Mm. so that most recent uh, cohort of individuals, they do expect, they are more likely to expect themselves to earn college degrees um, I don't know that that's anything inherent about being a millennial. I mm-hmm. think it's I think it's a larger sort of function of this uh, this economic and kind of historical climate that we've been talking about. Eric, has this cultural moment of focusing on the millennial generation as this distinct entity is it lasting longer for millennials than it did when we were going through this with Generation X or even the baby boomers? It seems weird, right? Because uh, we do seem to be fixated on this, and I think one of the callers earlier talked about this that that we talk about millennials, uh, but but actually, like, unless if you do the math, millennials are in their mid to late 30s now. And so we use the term millennials just as, as sort of public discourse. We use the term millennials as this like pejorative shorthand for young people, right? And uh, again, like those those cutoffs are very arbitrary. So I, I don't know why we, we tend to keep focusing on millennials, but we do see this thing where we're sort of lumping millennials in with now Gen Z. And, and Kendra, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're starting to see some of this in your work as well, mm-hmm. Steph, you maybe as well. 
So I don't know what the fixation is. Um, it probably does have something to do with how these messages are amplified uh, through social media, um, through just the presence of these hot takes and that kind of culture. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, we've got some more callers trying to get into the conversation. Um, let's talk to a caller from St. Louis, Memory. Memory, uh, what are your thoughts? Yes, so I'm what they call an elder millennial, and I just wanted to say this. I left corporate America about last year. I was there for 14 years, and I was in leadership as a millennial, and we had all kinds of people, uh, generations that were older than the millennials, and I feel like work ethic-wise, it was the same. But what I've come to notice personally in my own walk is that I feel like the um, the promises are not the same, I should say, promises or expectations, because our parents and our grandparents' jobs, when they worked, they had pensions. They had something to stay at the workforce. I feel like the work environment was more secure. Nowadays, what I looked at was we got 401Ks, we can invest in those, but at the same time, what is the worth when your employers don't re it's all about the numbers so i think mostly sometimes as a millennial what i do value what i feel like is accurate is that i want a sense of worth i want to do something i left corporate america to do things that fulfill me my passion to 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 be to fulfill my life and i think that's where some millennials are hence some go to bali we have the normad millennials digital millennials because we feel like life is much more than what our parents and our grandparents are because when you do get into the corporate job, you get the good job, you get the house, you get this, and you realize, wait a minute, it's, it's, it's politics, it's a numbers game, and this mm -hmm. is not ethically or morally what I want to do. Mm. So I think we are misunderstood as a generation, and I feel like there are different millennials. We're all not a monolith because I do have two younger sisters, and the third one, she most yeah. definitely relies on my parents, but... Memory, your, memory, your, your, your point about changing expectations and, and uh, what different folks are looking for these days is, is well taken, I think. Kendra, does that ring true for you? Absolutely. Millennials definitely value purpose. Um, this is one of the things I talk about, that they value purpose over profits. They want to not only know that the company that they work for has a purpose in what they're doing, but they also want to know what they're actually doing has a purpose in like their day-to-day -day tasks, their jobs. They want to feel purpose-driven. And to her point of just the changing in the workforce from what our grandparents had and our parents had, it's, it's a completely different time. So when you think about, you know, when I talk to baby boomers and they talk to me about, you know, well, we got a job and we stayed for 30 years. You know, that was also because it was a post-war time. So they got a job. They were grateful to get that job. And they had the expectation to stay there, get the gold watch and retire. You know, now we are in a different landscape. We're just not in that place of I need to stay with this company for 30 years. I mean, I can go on LinkedIn right now and see who's hiring, what they're paying and everything else. So if I don't feel like I have a purpose in this company, if I don't feel valued, if I don't feel like I'm doing purposeful work, it is way easier for me to switch jobs than it was back then when our grandparents and our parents had um, a greater sense of security in these companies. Yeah. And would you say that sometimes uh, trends that are looked at as an anomaly as they're happening turn out to be innovations. Mm -hmm. And that's not such a bad thing to think about quality of life and, and feeling purpose at your workplace. Not at all. And I think all everybody wants that. 
Um, every time I, I speak at a conference, like my favorite comment that I get is everything that you said, I mean, every employee wants this, everybody wants this, it's not specific to millennials. I'm like, exactly. We all want the same thing. We all want to feel purpose in our jobs. We all want to feel like we're respected at work. I think the difference in millennials is they're more apt to leave if they don't get it. And older generations, because they wanted or valued that job security in a different way, they stayed despite the things that they didn't get, and millennials won't. But other than that, we all want the same thing. Mm. Well, we're seeing a lot of a lot of conversation about this online and on, on the phone lines. John on Twitter writes, people are critical about avocado toast, but forget the pet rock trend of the mid-70s. Um, I'll, I'll take the avocado toast over the pet rock. Anyone have a preference there? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that seems more purposeful and, yeah. I yeah. think so. <laughs> yeah. Um, let, let's go back to the calls. Uh, we, have a, we have another caller from St. Louis, uh, Tracy. Tracy, what, what are your thoughts today about millennials? Hi. I was actually prompted to call. Um, great job. The panel is amazing today. Um, good talk. Uh, but, Kyle, it was a little bit disappointing. I'm a mother of millennials as well, and I definitely feel a little bit differently about my uh, young folks that, that are in and out of my house every day. Um, and I did want to speak to the, um, I mean, I don't see them spending, you know, wasting their money on coffee. That, that certainly is it. And if a, if a millennial is spending, you know, 10 to 10 bucks a week on coffee, it's definitely not, uh, the problem. I, I do see a big issue here because I am, I work for a credit union and I'm in community development and um, the manager of our programs, and I speak to young people probably three times a week. And um, number one, I see a lot of uh, hardship around the fact that our young people are laden with uh, this college debt, and they cannot get a loan. So it's very hard for us to underwrite a loan when they're making, and the income disparity is greater than it's ever been, but if they're making, you know, 30000 a year and they've got 30000 in debt, it's hard for us to write a loan for them just for a vehicle or, or a home. I mean, for that matter, it's, it's, uh, it's really hard for us to write some of those loans when they're laden with debt because the debt-to-income ratio is, is really overwhelming for a lot of the young people that we try to help. Thanks so much for the call, Tracy. You're welcome. Uh, Steph, do millennials having a particularly tough time with debt? Um, yeah, from what I've seen from my friends, um, student loan debt in particular is what's really holding them back from saving up to buy a house um, and even in some cases moving. Um, if you can't afford to you know, move across state or across city, sometimes you are stuck in the lower paying job and that kind of just repeats the cycle of, 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 of you know, of, I don't want to say poverty in some cases, but you're kind of stuck where you're at because of the debt because you were told, go to college, this is what you need to succeed, and then you get out of college and the job isn't there or you weren't prepared for it or any other kind of um, reasoning. Um, student loan debt is a big one. Um, I've got a friends, one of them is a teacher, and um, he they can't afford health care right now because they both have college debts and they're not being paid as well as teachers and they're trying to save up for a house. So it kind of just compounds where they're being uh, held back and what they're just trying to do or just basic things, just buying a house and be able to provide health care mm -hmm. for their kids. So I, I can definitely see that as being as, as a number one driver for, for most millennials. Mm. And uh, listener Adam writes in an email, I think he's addressing this to folks who are distressed about changes and maybe kids on their lawn. Do not give up, Adam writes. Embrace 3D printing, AI, and modern technology. Use it to your advantage. 
That's pretty good lessons there, right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> let, let, let's take let's take another call. I'd love to get back to the phone lines. Another caller in St. Louis, um, Alexa. Alexa, what are your thoughts about millennials? Yes. Hi. Um, I am also a millennial, and I, when we were talking about kind of a data-driven um, reasons for the things we're talking about, and kind of that quintessential older generation complaining about the younger generation. Um, I'm wondering if maybe there's even a simpler, like, statistical reason for, um, like, a louder echo chamber for that kind of complaint. Um, I know Facebook is somewhat becoming more of, like, an older social media platform. And so just because the the baby boomer generation is larger just by the numbers, I'm wondering if maybe that, that quintessential complaint is coming out louder just because of those numbers. Mm. Interesting. Thank, thanks for the call, Alexa. So the idea um, that perhaps the baby boom generation is a little overrepresented in one of the more popular social media platforms and their complaints are, are a little more overamplified, maybe counterintuitive, but interesting. I think that's uh, it's an interesting explanation. Um, the thing that I, I didn't think about it as who, who's sort of represented on the Facebook platform, but but I will say that this uh, it's not going to be forever. This year, actually 2019, is the year that millennials – um, we're proje- are projected to overtake boomers as the largest segment of the population. So, mm. um, so, so the boomers maybe have the loudest, uh, most amplified voice at this point in time, but, but I don't know that that's going to necessarily continue. How are we going to know when that happens? Is someone counting somewhere? Is there someone at a hospital? I'm sure that's someone's job, yeah, but, um, yeah. but I'm not sure, yeah. But is that, it, Eric, from your perspective, is that a big shift when that happens, when one generation becomes larger than one a few before it? It is, and I, yeah, so we kind of alluded to this earlier. I mean, it, it does, um, numbers equal power, right? And, uh, and so when the millennial generation, uh, or at least the sort of birth cohort of millennials, overtakes boomers in terms of just sheer numbers, um, and they start moving into positions where they have, you know, more control over the resources, more control over jobs, more participation and engagement, maybe in policy and the political process. Uh, I think um, we will probably see fewer and fewer of these uh, these criticisms mm, against mm. that generation. But then we will complain about the next generation. You can bet money on that. <laughs> we'll cue, we'll cue that up, right? right. We'll, we'll schedule that for a few years from now. Sounds right? good. Yeah. Okay. Well, our our time is is run out for this conversation, but this conversation is going to continue for quite a while. Um, we've been talking to Eric Guterites, Steph Kakaljan, and Kendra Elaine about millennials. Thanks so much for being here. You're listening to St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.